0: Hi, and welcome to the second episode of the Law of Positivism podcast. I'm so happy and excited that so many of you listened to the first episode. It brings me so much joy and happiness. And I just hope that I can continue giving you episodes that you love and enjoy and that you can share with others. So, super grateful and super happy for your time and for your uh, energy. And I'm really excited about this week's episode. Uh, I had the chance to talk with Marnie Wasserman uh, last week and do this interview with her. I'm super grateful. Uh, She's a certified nutritional practitioner and chef from Canada. Uh, She's also the author of three books, uh, A Real Treat, Plant-Based Diet for Dummies and Fermenting for Dummies. And she's such a good inspirational person when it comes to nutrition and health and she's also the host of the Ultimate Health podcast where she's the co-host together with her husband Jesse Chappas where they share weekly different guests different topics all surrounding health and they're so inspirational and so informative and I love them so I've known Marnie for a while now and uh, she's just been such an inspiration for me and I really wanted to bring her on the podcast so we tapped into topics such as uh, diet and health and uh, Marnie's healing journey when she found out that she had Hashimoto's Um, and we talked about the importance of listening to the body and making the necessary changes for the body to heal and this also tapped into self-love and now that Marnie is pregnant, we also talked about pregnancy and birth and how to do it naturally. So really interesting topics, really interesting episodes. So I hope you enjoy. And if you do, take your time to just give me some feedback, leave a review and just let me know what you think. So enjoy. Hi. Hi, Marnie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. I'm happy to chat with you as well. (laughs) So I have been following you and Jesse and the Ultimate Health Podcast for a very long time. And I just love to hear each week's episode and all the insights and wisdom that you share. Around health and well being. So, I'm very happy to have you on and to hear about your story and your background. And I'm sure all the listeners are excited to, to get to know who you are. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I want to start just by asking you uh, if you can share how you stay mindful and present.
1: Well, one of the, the simplest, but uh, probably most cliche things that I do is I, I breathe. I try and really connect with my breath and really focus on my body awareness. So I tend to do this in the morning when I wake up, I just kind of lie in bed and connect with myself and check in um, and then throughout the day, Sometimes I have to bring myself back. Obviously, it's very easy to get caught up in day-to-day things and forget to check in with yourself and breathe and slow down. So that's a constant uh, evolution for me to keep working on that. But I like to do things that involve a lot of play to playing with my dog, being with Jesse, doing things that are fun, cooking in the kitchen. All of that keeps me very present and very mindful.
0: Mm, That sounds wonderful breathing is really important too in in my practice so i think it can it can really ground you and 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 take you to the present moment in an easy way so it's great and i would love for you to maybe uh, tell the listeners about the ultimate health podcast and your work that you do together with your husband and uh, how it started
1: Sure. Yeah. So the podcast is just over five years old now. And it's something that my now husband, but boyfriend at the time, started together. And we both had our own day jobs. He was working as a chiropractor, and I was teaching cooking classes. I had a plant based vegetarian studio in Toronto. So I was teaching cooking classes, sharing my health mission with the world at the time. And when Jesse and I were together for a year, he really had this idea to start a health podcast, and he was so excited about it. He had done a podcast before, um, which he had stopped, and then he really wanted to do another one again. And he wanted to do it with me, and we both had so much to talk about and so many things and messages to share with the world. So he kept nudging me to start a podcast, and it took took me a little bit of time to convince myself, make sure I had the time and get my head around what a podcast was, because at the time they weren't as popular as they are today. And then eventually we started the podcast with the goal of health and wellness in mind. And that covers so many different things, of course, being the ultimate health, meaning everything from nutrition, fitness, mindset, um, yoga, finance, environment, well-being, self-care, all those things. So we had the opportunity to share our own knowledge around these areas, as well as interview a lot of different guests that we were starting to make connections with or that we had existing connections with when we started Early on, we we both brought to the table people that we knew and things and people that uh, we could get on the podcast quite easily. And then as the shows grown, we've just grown and expanded into so many different experts in the field of health. And we also do a lot of our own shows too, so we have a lot of fun with it, and it's, it's it keeps us busy. And now we've both transitioned out of those day jobs. So he's no longer a chiropractor. I'm still a nutritionist. I don't teach cooking classes anymore. So I kind of do a lot of my health and wellness stuff online through Instagram and creating products but the podcast is our full-time gig.
0: That's amazing. And as we've connected a couple of years ago, uh, I've been following your journey and I just love how you you've evolved as a couple together working on your dream and and your mission and I think that's one of the topics I would like to talk about later also like how do you make that transition and have the courage to take a step like that and, and just doing what's the best for you and your soul. It's really amazing. And yeah, I think it's very inspiring. Thank you. And I would actually like you to tell the listeners a little bit about how your interest for health started in your life, because I think it's always interesting to hear how people get into it and you do get into it in the podcast but maybe if you can just talk about it a little bit
1: sure yeah i've i've always been interested in health and nutrition and fitness from a young age i was always fascinated with food not necessarily healthy food but eating and i loved learning more so as i grew up as an individual and learned different things along the way and one of my first entrances into somewhat healthy food was vegetarianism when i was like in grade school i had a friend that was vegetarian so it started to show me that oh people eat a different way and you can eat without having meat and what does this mean and that was kind of my first entrance into starting to become fascinated with different ways of eating different styles of eating So uh, that led into, I think from there, I kind of got into the body as well. So I was really, uh, I became a personal trainer. I was fascinated with health and fitness and then how nutrition played into that. So that was kind of my early entrance, just more curious curiosity and and my own interests and passions and as I grew up and as I went through university and as I got exposed to different books and people it started to grow and evolve and I started learning more about whole foods what it meant to eat organic and I started to realize that this is so much more of my passion than working as a personal trainer and in the fitness world it's so much more about what we put into our bodies so that's when I first became vegetarian and I went to school for it I became a holistic nutritionist. Then I went to culinary school in New York and did my chef training. And my whole world revolved around more or less being in the kitchen and experimenting with new recipes and discovering just the ways that food can impact the body. And I had this brilliant idea that I wanted to start teaching cooking classes, because that just seemed like the perfect next logical step for me. And I had my parents kitchen to start a business out of and I started a business in 2000. I want to say nine or so, some 2008, 2009, I can't even remember. <laughs> but I started my business. And it was it was so much fun to just share this passion about plant based eating and nutrition and wellness and have people come to me and learn how to cook simple and delicious recipes. Um, so I did that for six years in my parents home, then that evolved into me opening up my physical food studio um, in Midtown Toronto in Canada. And I had the chance to do more of what I was doing, workshops, retreats, invite other chefs in the city to come into my space and, and teach. It was It was amazing. And I loved it. And I was very immersed in that. And then things started to shift when my health started to change a little bit um, in terms of my commitment to the same message of vegetarianism and my energy to show up every day at my studio. So when my health started to kind of knock on the door and let me know that something was off, it it caused me to really reevaluate everything. And and that included my diet and my lifestyle, which I know we'll we'll probably get into.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think it's really interesting that um the journey to becoming so aware of your body and uh doing it through how we eat that's i mean mindfulness is how we eat how we speak how we do everything so that's one of the practices to listen to the body and to really sometimes also um yeah, create new ways of seeing food and, and new ways of eating and and just trying it out. Because I think also uh, everyone's body is so different and we need different things and we have different genes and we have, yeah, different needs. So I think it's really interesting. And I, I wanted to tap into that also. How, how did that journey on becoming uh, interested in health both... I mean, did it also lead you into working with your body on the energetic level uh what or was it mostly focused on the food or did you was that the time period you got into yoga and other things or how did that look for you
1: Yeah, I think it was all wrapped into one. I think as I started to learn more and get immersed into kind of a healthier lifestyle, you start to meet people or read books or find things around your area. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Like going to a yoga class or, you know, connecting with other people who might be into alternative ways of healing. So I think it all kind of fed into each other. Um, I don't think there was like a specific... um, you know, situation that, you know, opened up the door, I think it just all organically unraveled. And mm. as I've evolved as a person and learned more about different modalities of healing, I've started to experiment with them more and more over the years. So it's been, it's been, it's been really fun, because it, it changes so much. And then you get to try different things. And then maybe reevaluate, Oh, did this work for me? Or did I like that type of yoga? Or what form of meditation works best for me? So it's it's a lot of trial and error.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we evolve all the time. So something that works for us today might not work tomorrow. And that's the way life changes. So it's mm-hmm. really, really good that you did that. And um, yeah, we can we can get into like your, I mean, you've worked so much on um, your, I mean, you share your healing journey a lot uh, throughout the podcast. And it's also reflected on, like guests that you have. And and it's really, I mean, your podcast is really my go-to podcast to understand my health better. And I think so many of the listeners that you have uh, feel the same way. And it's so many great guests and insights and perspectives. and 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 it's, I mean, it's also a lot of new research. So it's not like it's old, old information. It's always new information that you, Put out there, so it's really, really a great resource. And I would like to know, like, what happened in your life where you had to make a transition and a shift, and to let the old, the old you, kind mm-hmm. of uh, shaping into something new, and and getting into a new way of living and and eating.
1: Yeah, the podcast definitely played a big part in that because it was through a lot of our guests that opened my eyes to a different way of of being. So yeah, as I mentioned, I was very immersed in the plant-based world. I was teaching about it. I wrote books about it. I was convinced that the plant-based vegetarian diet was the ultimate diet and the one that worked best for me. But when I started getting some symptoms, like my digestion was off, my skin felt itchy, I was puffy, I was tired. It just, it happened kind of seven years more or less after being vegetarian. And I was kind of perplexed. I was like, what's going on? I don't understand. I ate so healthy. Um, I felt so good for so long. I was thriving. Um, and then I had to kind of, you know, double check what's going on. And I started seeing an afterpath. I started getting a little bit of blood work, but nothing that was too detailed that gave me any answers at the time. Um, I started reading some books, but I was overwhelmed with information. I'm like, oh, maybe I have candida. Oh, maybe I, you know, mm. I'm I'm suffering from, you know, maybe I've got colitis or I'm celiac. Like, who knows what was going on? I didn't know. So I kept trying all these little mini diets just to see if I could relieve some symptoms. And then it took until a specific guest on our podcast named L. Russ who really tapped into thyroid Hashimoto's and disorders of the thyroid gland. And it got me thinking, boy, I don't think I'm getting the right blood tests done that are going deep enough to find out if I have what I presume could be exactly what she's talking about. Cause through um, it just, a, some of the explanation she was giving about symptoms and other markers that could have been, um, a part of the puzzle, of my puzzle, all made sense. So I went ahead and I got specific blood work done that she had recommended. And lo and behold, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroid thyroiditis, which is where your auto, your immune system attacks your thyroid gland. And it is an autoimmune condition. So it really opened my eyes to show me that something deeper is going on. And at the same time, it made sense because I, 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 I had a hunch <laughs> that this mm. is what was going on. I knew that thyroid issues ran in my family, but not specifically Hashimoto's. So I started to really take it seriously at that time. And just before I found out that diagnosis, I had already started to slowly transition my diet away from plant-based eating. So I had already introduced eggs by that time and i think chicken and fish so i knew i was on the right path and then that confirmed things and pushed me to go even further and be even more committed because now i knew that my immune system was flared up and that there was inflammation in my body and i had to tackle that before i could even get to other things so it was really eye-opening for me but it also forced me to really transition my diet and my lifestyle. And it, it took a lot of time because mentally and emotionally, I was committed to a certain lifestyle. I loved being vegetarian for both health and ethical reasons. So it was it was really hard to get over. But I knew that my health was suffering. And I, I could at least try this and see if it worked. If it didn't, I could always go back, but Mm. immediately when I removed the grains from my diet, when I started limiting and removing beans, like I noticed such a difference in my digestion. I just felt so much stronger. And then as I started to include more animal protein, I felt, I felt different physically and my skin felt different. And then it started to show up on my blood tests that things were improving. So it's been about two and a half years, more or less of really being immersed in, transitioning my diet and lifestyle and I have made drastic changes and I I'm not fully healed you can't fully come out of Hashimoto's it can always flare back up again but I would say that my markers and my antibodies are way lower than they were before and I'm feeling a lot better than I was.
0: I'm so happy to hear that and I love that you have shared um you started a course for people with Hashimoto's I think it was a nutritional course where you can just uh, taking these baby steps that you took to heal from within and I think food is the like the ultimate and natural healing for us like foods herbs everything that comes from the earth is a way for us to get to know our body and to uh, heal instead of just going to like symptom, uh, trying to, to get symptoms down. Right. So it's really, really interesting. And during this time, also during these past two years, have you also worked with other holistic methods to heal? I mean, I know you've done it before, before this as well, but has anything else worked if you've worked on the energetic level?
1: I think it's all been part of the healing process. So things like using my sauna, getting on my bio mat, going for Reiki and reflexology. Well, reflexology is actually more recent. So that's kind of more related to my, my pregnancy journey, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I've had some energy work. I've, I've gotten a lot of massage therapy for relaxation, um, And just taking more time just to be, whether it's meditation or journaling or going for walks, that's been all part of the journey as well. And we made a move outside of the busy city of Toronto where I lived and worked and had my food studio. We moved to a smaller city about four hours west that really allowed for this lifestyle to be at the forefront slowing down and more space and more time and, and more of a flexible schedule, I didn't have to show up at uh, a physical location every day. So it it all played in, it was all, you know, in divine timing, because Mm -hmm. it was exactly when I needed it. And I had to make the, you know, the hard decision, but also necessary decision to close down my business. But I was also excited about it at the time, because I was done, I was I was ready for the next stage and the next chapter of my life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's really you took all the different aspects in your life and made it better for you and your health. So that's really good. So we don't, we can't just change maybe one thing in our life to heal emotionally, physically, or mentally, spiritually. Sometimes we need to make a holistic change to to see uh, improvements in our health as well. For sure, so that's re- and I, I'm really really inspired by your move i remember that you shared the move and in the podcast as well and and how 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 did it feel because i'm thinking you've made some big bigger transitions and and as we uh, if we think about it spiritually uh, when you when you make a big transition that might feel hard to make but you know that it's good for you but sometimes the ego gets in the way so when you switched over to from a plant-based diet you had some type of maybe ego struggle like how like just the the uh the mindset and the and the um the thoughts about things and the value we put into things. It's mostly created in our head. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with like having a steady job, living in a big city, maybe living the way that others think is a, a good way to live. And then mm-hmm. you move out of that and do something completely different. I, I, I would love to hear about that transition, how you had the courage and the energy to do that as well. And both of you as a couple.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing when something can just enter your your realm out of nowhere. Like when mm-hmm. Jesse Jesse had moved to the city cuz he lives where we live now. So he lived 4 hours away from me, then he decided to move with me in the busy city. And that in that year is when I decided to close down my studio. But when he moved to Toronto, I had no idea that we were going to leave city i thought i was going to continue my lease go for another five years but it took i don't even know what specific moment but we just both looked at each other we're like we're done we don't want to live here anymore and i'm like how about i try and get out of my lease for my fourth my fifth year and see what we can do and change the situation so we don't have to be here anymore and when that conversation started to happen, it just kind of expands and expands and then it becomes like the thing you need to do. It was like the next logical step, we became so tired of our lifestyle in Toronto that we knew we needed to get out and we didn't necessarily know where at the time, we didn't know that we were gonna come back to Jesse's hometown. We thought it could have been anywhere, just somewhere outside of the city and it was very easy it didn't take a lot of convincing which was the good thing um it was a very easy decision and it felt so right and then we found the right home and the right space and we have a community here already because i've been coming here to visit jesse for the last four years so we had a lot of friends and family so that part was easy but On the flip side, the transition away from my diet, (laughs) that was more difficult. That Mm -hmm. mindset shift took a lot more time for me to let it sink in. I had to really kind of feel it out, even though on a deep level, I knew it was the right decision. But I had to let people tell me about it first. I had to think about it. I had to have conversations with friends and family like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll see. I don't know. Like, thanks for the suggestion. Thanks for telling me to try bone broth, but I'm not ready yet. And then Mm -hmm. my body would let me know when I was ready. It's like, okay, today I'm going to try an egg and then like, a year later, I was like, okay, it's time for a piece of fish. So mm-hmm. it, it just it took a lot of time because I really had to get my head around it. So that was a very different transition, whereas the other one was more immediate. But it is a mindset shift. It really is looking at things from a different way and not being so stuck or set in mm-hmm. In like, oh, I was born in a city, I need to stay in a city, or oh, I wrote a book about vegetarian eating, I need to be a vegetarian. People need to get away from that message and away from, you know, the, the confines of, of the way sometimes we set ourselves up. And see things from a different perspective of ultimately what's better for my health, what's better for my well being, what's gonna bring me more joy and and then experiment and go from there. And there's no commitment. You can always move back. You can move out of mm. the city and if you it's yeah, you know, obviously a lot of work, but you mm. could move back and I could always change my diet. So, yeah. you know, there's no it's it's about being flexible and being open, but ultimately the decision has to come from you and yourself because it's you know very personal and it's only going to be the right decision when it comes from you versus someone else telling you or you doing it because you think that's the best thing you should do because your parents expect it or your friends expect it or your community expects it. So it's uh, there's a lot of components to it, but uh, I was lucky that both of them felt very right in the end and I couldn't be happier.
0: Mm. That's great. And, and uh, both transitions meant like giving yourself more self-love also. And that can be hard. Uh, mm-hmm. d- like both both transitions were a step for you to feel better, to take care of your health, to do something that, that is right for your body at this time. And, and um, I'm also really curious because Toronto is a big city um, and just moving closer to nature, has that shifted how you feel and how your health f- i mean it's so different to be in a quiet smaller city closer to nature than being in a in a bigger city with a lot of traffic and how how has has that affected you
1: yeah it's been great it's just easier like although there is a lot of nature in toronto you have to kind of go out of your way to get to it and here, same thing, but it's it's just we're living on a quieter street and there's parks around us and it's we have a dog, so it's so much easier to access it. And I think even just our own backyard is our quickest piece of nature because we've got a, you know, a cozy backyard with grass and we've made it really fun. And just being able to go out there any time of day Whereas when you live in a concrete building in a city, you just you don't have any access to get to that in, in, in an instant. So that has been so healing to both Jesse and myself. We love that, we love, especially in the warmer months, we can go outside, we can have lunch, we can go play in the grass. And then if we wanna go a little bit deeper into nature, we can just go for a quick five minute drive down to the water front here, or we can go ten minutes and go to a you know little national park and walk around it's It's so nice to have that ability to do that so much easier without traffic getting there and without having to make it such a big deal and that's it's definitely played a part, and I think in my healing and just my connection to to myself
0: mm. yeah, and I'm thinking now that you're congratulations you're pregnant and you are connecting to that mm-hmm. uh, inner source and and connecting to mother earth in that way because your body is going through this transition i would love to hear like all about your i know you you're all for a natural pregnancy and mm-hmm. natural birth and that's just amazing i work a lot with the divine feminine energy and with women's circles and and working with the womb space and i would just love to hear like this new journey of yours like how has has it affected you and and how yeah what are you doing right now with your body and in the pregnancy
1: yeah it's been it's been incredible it's been something we've known we've wanted but, you know we just both knew when we first got together we knew we wanted to have kids it was just a matter of the right time and with all these changes and transitions of the last number of years it took until this year that we were like okay Let's, let's make this happen. <laughs> and, you know, very grateful that we've done, we've both done a lot of healing with our body and all the work that I've done. And I believe that probably played a part in allowing us to, to have a healthy pregnancy. And, and it's been just so cool. I find it fascinating. It's one thing to know about pregnancy when you're not pregnant and to know that even that you want to or see friends or talk about it. And then when it's your own experience, even when we were going through, the the phase of trying to get pregnant I learned so much about fertility and my body and my cycle and again I felt like oh my gosh I was so ignorant I had no idea you know even the window to get pregnant is so small and it was Mm -hmm. just eye-opening um so even just learning all of that and learning about my body was so important and then when we did conceive that just opens up a whole other realm of oh my gosh. And you just want to learn and know everything, and mm. understand what's happening every day and how you're feeling. And, and just, you know, it takes, it takes time for your body to kind of get into that mode. And, and now that it's, I'm at 22 weeks, so I'm just past the halfway point. So now that I'm starting to show and feeling the baby kick, it's just such an incredible experience. And just being who I am, with all of my previous training and knowledge and everything, it was a natural decision to want to have a natural pregnancy. It was very, like, there was no, oh, should we have a home birth or shouldn't we? It was like, no, of course we are. And of course we're getting a midwife. And of course we're going to have a doula. It's just, like, I don't see it any other way. And everything that I'm trying to do for my body and the baby is just as, yeah, I don't want to use the word natural, but just as, as real and as thorough and as... Um, just the way nature intended it to be as possible. Um, you know, just and I haven't really changed my diet, just keeping my same healthy diet, maybe I'm trying to enhance a few extra nutrients just to get them into the baby and keeping my lifestyle the same more or less. Um, things do shift, you don't have as much energy. <laughs> but mm. You know, it's it's been it's been amazing. And I just find it so fascinating. And I'm I love learning about it. And I love hearing other people's birth stories, good and bad. I'm not like, don't tell me, um, you know, your bad birth story. I want to hear it all because I want to hear what is possible out there and what people have experienced. I, I love it all. So I'm just soaking it all in. And it's just been a fascinating journey so far.
0: Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. And and just having that new wisdom Come mm-hmm. into your body, or unlocking in your body the mm-hmm. the ancient wisdom, which I think it's very different in different countries. Um, in Sweden, uh, it's you always uh, have a midwife. Uh, that, that's that's how it works here. So uh, everyone that gives birth have, has a midwife, either home or at the hospital, or um, and or unless you do it yourself at home and. Don't want a midwife, uh, and also a lot of people are starting to uh, hire doulas if they're doing a hospital birth to complement uh, the midwife and the nurse that is that is there for you. So I don't know how it is in Canada; it's it might be different. Do well, it's you, very do you, different. Yeah. So
1: it, if someone doesn't want a is it like you automatically get a midwife, or could you be assigned to go to a doctor or an OB? Mm-
0: no, we we don't have doctors delivering babies. We wow. only have doctors when it's a an emergency. So I'm I'm a certified doula now. So I've I've been looking into like how how the system works. And here in Sweden, you always have when you get to the the hospital where delivery deliveries are uh, where you have the delivery sections. Uh, yeah it's only midwives working there and then you have, yeah, then you have specialized doctors that, that are there in case something happens. So, um, and up until recently here in Stockholm, uh, women have also gotten subsidiaries or they got, uh, two midwives paid by, um, by the city of Stockholm to, to give birth at home as well, which, can cost a lot otherwise to have. And so all of these midwives are hired by the government and uh, some midwives work uh, at the hospital and some midwives are working with home births or both. So we don't have that system that doctors are uh, in the delivery unless there is emergencies or, or something very... So it's a completely different thing, I guess, in the totally. North Americas. Yeah, totally
1: different. That's mm. amazing, and that's the way it should be. And um, mm. is it the same way in other European countries as well? Would you say?
0: I'm not sure, but I think in a lot of the countries, uh, it's it's standard that you have a midwife. And Ugh. I think something that happened uh, a couple of hundred years ago was, uh, I mean, midwives were were really not allowed for a while, I think, because of the witch hunt, and mm-hmm. and I don't know if that happened in the U.S. as well. I think more there, but coming back to, uh, I think a lot of people are and uh, women are getting more informed now and have can make informed decisions and understand that, like midwifery is so different from the medical way of looking at birth because it, it is, they are medically um, trained, yes. but it's also much more holistic. And here in the hospitals, the midwives give acupuncture. If you want to have like more natural, uh, and try to do as less, uh, procedures and, and, uh, like these extra things that can come with a hospital birth. I think they want to keep it as natural as possible. So that's really beneficial. And it's very different from having a hospital medical birth that is the opposite, like not natural in that way. So how is is it in Canada?
1: Yeah, I'd say the norm is most people have an OB, an obstetrician, Mm -hmm. um, that you know, they either their family doctor refers them, or some family doctors might be trained in that, but usually they are referred to an OB, and that's typically the primary care person for most women. And most women, I feel like, choose that because there is mm-hmm. so much fear created around birth, probably more so in North America, because mm-hmm. that's just the way North America is, everything <laughs> is so <laughs> fear based. Mm. And people are like, "No, it has to be in a hospital in order to be saved and mm. And that's and then it starts this whole cascade of interventions, and very few women have control of their own birth they just think that this is the way it needs to be i need to be you know i need to be given pitocin i need to you know go through that whole funnel and then ultimately the baby's in distress and then the c-section rate is extremely high um it's it's very unfortunate that that's more typical than people choosing to have a midwife and unfortunately the access to midwives especially in ontario i can't speak for other provinces is so limited. It's like you have to get on a wait list and you have to fill in an application. And mm. it's it's not easy. Like there's mm. literally probably eight midwives in Windsor where I live. Mm. Um, maybe more, maybe 10. And it's just, it's a much harder process for a lot of people. Although when you get one, it's pretty easy and it doesn't cost anything. It is covered by the government, which is amazing. So we have access to it. It's just, it's not being utilized and there's not enough Women doing their midwifery training, mm. so there's not mm. enough of them, and then there's not enough people. Probably the demand is not as high, although I'd say it's probably getting higher, um, than it has probably in the past because now more and more people are aware of this option and opportunity. But yeah, no, I'd say the reverse is the common the surgical medicalized birth is the norm, and the natural. Mm home birth or even natural hospital birth is kind of looked down upon um and questioned even you know the few people people who know me and get me have been like of course you're having a home birth but then you know there's a few people who are like oh my gosh it's that's so scary and I'm like no to me it's so scary to go to a hospital mm. <laughs> like I mm. feel like that is and I'm not saying that I won't go to a hospital, obviously, if there is knock on wood, a complication. Mm. Luckily, we live close enough to one and our midwife will be able to be there. But I know that I've, I've never I've been very lucky. I've never been in a hospital, like I've never been hospitalized, I've never had a surgery, I've never had to be there overnight. So I don't I have this like very distant relationship with hospitals. And this is not how I want to have my baby Mm. so I'm putting that intention out to the universe and hopefully it it stays that way but to me that would that would create all kinds of fear in my body to be in that system for my Mm. birth so yeah we are definitely planning a home birth and it just feels so right and Yeah. I wish, I wish it was the way it was there. That's amazing. I think everyone needs the option or the possibility of a midwife. And then, I don't know, or both if they want, at least if they want, if they want to have an OB and a midwife, I don't know, but.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's so different and it's, we're still kind of similar. The countries are similar, but there, I don't know what's happened that, that, the medical system needed to take away the the rights and also the the power that women have yeah. o- over their bodies i i just mentioned that to the group that i teach uh, pregnancy yoga to the other day that i said even if if the hospitals uh all of them close down you will be able to give birth that's a natural process yes. you will give birth the baby will come out somehow uh and and it's just i i'm really passionate about bringing that awareness to to women and i think even though the system is very good here there's still much more awareness that yeah. needs to be awakened and and also just being conscious about all the options and, and, and just, I think it's, it's growing steadily. I think having a doula is becoming more popular as well. Just having also this support system around you creating this stability. And, and, and we have a very famous book here in Sweden that is called, um, giving birth without fear. So how you work because the fear locks you so where does that fear come from? I don't think it's instinct that you have. I don't think animals are afraid to give birth. I think it's just like a programming and and just working with that and being conscious about fears that are maybe subconscious. And if you feel comfortable in your home, which most people actually do, you're not going to be scared like that. It of course it's going to be a new experience and and things might surprise you but the most important thing is that you feel comfortable and and just feel safe that that you're safe to give birth and that's really empowering to For do sure. that. 100%. Yeah. So exciting. And what what else have you done during the pregnancy now to connect with the baby, connect with your your everything with this new, new shape, this new energy in your body? Have have you had dreams? Have you had anything like that?
1: Yeah. Well, the dreams, I'm always a vivid and very detailed dreamer. And I find that it's very heightened in pregnancy. So yeah, the dreams Mm -hmm. are very surreal. Um, Some of them are related to baby, and some of them are just life and different things. And they're just they're crazy. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I had like (laughs) 10 different dreams. And what just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of Yeah, connection, I'd say that so the last three weeks, three, yeah, three, three, four weeks is when there's been a huge change in my body like it I kind of went from like, not really showing to all of a sudden, like the bump came out. Mm. So it's, and then about two and a half, three weeks ago was when I first started to feel the first kicks and that just changes everything. You know, you just like, now it's like, there it is. Now I can feel it. It's one thing to see it, um, on an ultrasound, but it's one thing to actually, you know, experience it. And, and now every day, like what I'll do is I'll just put my hands on my belly and I'll rub and feel, and I'm trying to figure out the patterns as to when it's most active and trying to feel around. If I can feel like where the head is or where the feet are, it's still, you know, it's probably about a pound and about a foot long. So it's still pretty small, but I Mm -hmm. I know that there's parts where I can kind of tap into my tummy and, and kind of feel something hard and I know that that's where it is so it's it's very cool um and I'd say every day and for sure every week it's like whoa what just happened last week my body's so much bigger um so it's very special so the morning and at night is when I really connect I just lie on my back in bed and I just rub my belly and um, I'm talking I'm definitely talking to the baby a little bit Um, and I know obviously it's hearing me all day long and Jesse and I will just connect and then other self-care things like I'm moisturizing a lot right now to prevent any stretch marks, (laughs) um, putting lots of beautiful body butters on my body, obviously all natural, um, you know, cacao butter and olive oil, um, just soothing anywhere in my body that could potentially stretch. And I'm also massaging the perennial area, the perennium area, because, I have gotten lots of good tips around. If you keep that really massaged and lubricated, it can help better without tearing because obviously I want to (laughs) prevent any tearing. So I've been being consistent with that and working on my pelvic floor muscles. So I'm trying to kind of tackle every angle um, to, to get the body ready. And then I mentioned reflexology earlier. That was something that I started when I was first... When Jesse and I first knew we wanted to try getting pregnant, I had found out that there's someone called a repro reflexologist. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm sure they're all over the world. So if you just look for someone who's certified in reproductive reflexology, they can really work with the points from a fertility perspective. So if someone is having challenges with fertility, this might be helpful. Or if someone's just looking to get pregnant and wants to facilitate the process, it can be very helpful. So she knows which like endocrine glands and which points to tap into and follows the cycle, your menstrual cycle. So every week you go in for four weeks as you're trying to get pregnant and every week she'll do a different um patterning of, of foot massage, whatever she does mm-hmm. that falls within that week. So that was something I started back in March and I was going every single week consistently until we got pregnant. And then now that I'm pregnant, I go every other week, just as part of a balancing self-care feel-good routine because it just feels amazing to have your feet massage and especially as I get more and more pregnant my feet are going to take on a lot more pressure (laughs) so Mm. it feels really good and she's just supporting the glands in my body and it's an amazing modality so that's something I've been really loving as one of my consistent self-care modalities.
0: Wow yeah reflexology is is really great and and there's so many different ways to take care of yourself during the pregnancy and i think it's so important for women to take the time to do that and to to realize that the body is working constantly right now and creating this new life and a new organ and and um i think just the the touch like if you get reiki healing or massage or just that nice touch that you just feel relaxed by can increase your um i think can help out with your oxytocin and and your like happy hormones and make the baby feel good so it's a really important process it's very Mm -hmm. precious this time and and it's also a preparation for what happens after birth and and taking your time to collect your energy and and to be prepared for that is is very important and you have created this life where you you're flexible you don't have any you you can you decide how your schedule looks every day and every week and and you have that freedom i think and that's really good yes for both you and jesse
1: that's so that. good yeah we're very lucky that we have created this lifestyle that is very flexible because yeah. he's able to be home which means we don't need to worry about you know, one of us taking off of work, we're both here. And mm. then with the podcast, luckily, you know, I, I don't have to be part of every podcast for it to still go on and continue mm. to make us money and for um, it to still get the same message out to the audience, something that Jesse can take on. Um, mm. So as things progress or when the baby's born, I'll probably be sitting out <laughs> a, lot of, a lot more podcasts. I've already started the transition a little bit here and there. So it's just we're very lucky to have have that flexibility.
0: Mm. And I'm so happy you took the time to join this podcast. <laughs> Although you're cutting down a little bit, which is exactly what you need as well.
1: Yeah, So no,
0: I'm pleasure. super happy. And right now you're you're slowing down a little bit, but you have some. I mean, you've written books and you you have the podcast. Is there anything that you would like to share that people can? can find uh, and t- you have your two books and a cookbook you have a lot of different things on your website
1: yeah i've got well i've got my plant-based diet for dummies book so if mm-hmm. someone is plant-based or vegetarian and wants some support with that that book is out there and available and it's great i also have fermenting for dummies um which covers both plant-based and non-plant-based ingredients all about fermenting, fermenting at home and mm. the benefits of fermented foods like sauerkraut and kefir and and how to bring that into your home so that you don't have to buy them all the time. Um, and then I've got a grain-free dessert ebook that has been a little passion project of mine in <laughs> the last couple of years because as I mm. went grain-free, I was looking for options and healthy treats and I, I love my my sweets (laughs) and I wanted them naturally sweet. So I started experimenting with a whole bunch of dessert recipes. So I put together a very simple online ebook full of recipes for, um, warming drinks and delicious desserts. So that's called a real treat. And the last thing I have is what you mentioned is my Hashimoto's program, which is called healing and dealing with Hashimoto's which is a program a colleague of mine uh, and myself, we put together to help anyone who was on a journey of supporting their thyroid gland or working with an autoimmune disease of any kind. It can, this program can certainly help them as well because really we just get to the root foundation of autoimmunity. Um, So that's going to be available. We're actually launching it live so that it's available all the time. We used to do Mm -hmm. it just in increments, like different times a year, we would kind of put it out there and then close it but now I'd say probably by next week. So hopefully by the time this is live, um, it'll be available on my website. So if someone wants to go and take that program, that will be right
0: there. That's great. Yeah. real, Really, really good thing to share. And Mm -hmm. and I really appreciate your work and everything that you and Jesse do. I love your podcast and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. And you have everything from nutrition to mindfulness. And now I listen to the natural birth episode if anyone is interested in that as well and I I love to see how the podcast evolves and what other things you will do in the future maybe with babies and and pregnancies and (laughs) all of those things that you have so much wisdom around I'm so happy do you have anything else that you would like to share just as a last thing to the listeners Um,
1: I would say, you know, just really honor yourself and honor any transition or change that might come up in your life and something that you might want to, you know, uh, open your mind up around a little bit more because things will change and evolve as we talked about and you do grow and new things come up. So what you thought might be the way that you're going to eat or live or relationships that you thought you valued, it might I'll change and just be open to that so I think just really you know the message is to just be open to transition and change
0: Mm. yeah I totally agree thank you so much Marnie I'm so happy that you connected with me and I'm super happy to to just follow your guys's journey and thank you so much I'm sending you so much love uh, to you to the baby to Jesse and Take care of yourself now. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that it brings some new light and some healing to you on your journey. If you have any questions or feedback, please connect with me on the Love Positivism Instagram or Just send me an email, and I would love to hear what you thought about the episode. So let's take a deep breath in through the nose, and exhale through the mouth. And just let everything integrate that you need right now. And take care of yourself. I'm sending you all so much love and blessings. Namaste.